0: Hi guys, this is Dr. Vita Bland, and we're here for another session of It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-Minute Health Magazine. Today, we are going to start off by talking about happiness. And we are so very pleased to welcome back to our microphones, Mrs. April Oglesby. Mrs. Oglesby is the founder and CEO of Thrive Center For wholeness. She's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mrs. Oglesby, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me back. Let
1: me ask you happiness. What is happiness? It's such a great question. I'm really excited that you're talking about this topic because I feel like with everything that has been going on and continues to go on, I mean, now we have the fires in Lahaina that completely devastated the entire community. We just we need to talk a lot more about happiness. So, if we're if we're looking at a more technical definition of happiness, right? It's a state of emotional well being, and it can be experienced by a moment, brought on by any sort of activity or or any sort of experience. Mom- but it's moment to moment. Uh, happiness isn't this trait, but it's more of just a state of being. It's not long lasting. It's not permanent. um, And it's not something we're born with. It's not like babies are just born happy. Right. It's essentially a side effect of things that we find pleasurable or even chemically speaking, a side effect of a release. Right. So exercise is a release that triggers a chemical reaction that triggers a feeling of euphoria, a feeling of happiness. Sex can do the same thing, a hug, crying, laughing, all of those things. So really, happiness is ultimately the idea of I feel happy in this moment because of this thing that is happening right now. So, when we think of happiness, you know,
0: sometimes I ask people, I say, Are you happy? And first of all, they look at me like, You know, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> but then they say, You know, I'm content.
1: Um, yeah. You know, is contentment enough or, or what? That's a great question because there is a difference between contentment and happiness. I would say the main difference between happiness and contentment is that happiness is that short term. While contentment is more, has a more lasting effect on us, like happiness is temporarily dependent upon the current circumstances of the moment, right? But contentment is this sort of place of peace and satisfaction and it's acceptance of our life with all of its highs and lows, whatever those circumstances are. So like my own personal take on contentment is that contentment is this close friend to joy. Right. Mm -hmm. Contentment and joy play the long game when it comes to the ups and downs of life. So they are both able to look at the highs and lows and find meaning and gratitude and all of it. Therefore, experiencing contentment or joy across the lifespan, regardless of the circumstances, whereas happiness does not have that kind of sustainability in our lives because a moment of sadness is not going to trigger happiness in us. Right. Right whereas a person who is content can look at a moment of sadness and still experience an overall sense of contentment through their healing and acceptance of the situation that triggered sadness in the first place
0: so i guess it's a continuum we go through we go through them both i, I guess that's what i'm hearing you say
1: absolutely but happiness is more these moments mm-hmm. right and I, and i think that happiness almost brings contentment to us because of these moments. So I personally think that contentment is not enough. Like we, we need more than just contentment. Um, And ideally everyone would find contentment in their lives, but the only way to ever really find peace is to find that contentment. But it's the moments of happiness that I think help us find contentment. So like Even when we're going through a hard time, being able to look back on moments of happiness helps remind us Mm -hmm. of good moments and therefore brings forth contentment. So really, contentment and happiness cannot exist without the other. I got you. Right? So happiness can help you find contentment and contentment can help you find happiness. Okay, so I'm going to just put a little mix in there. I talk to people sometimes and to me, they seem like they're
0: settling. Mm. You know, what... What's going on is not really what they want. I don't know if they're afraid to go for the contentment or afraid to go for the happiness, but it's not the perfect, but it just seems like they're settling.
1: What about that? That is such a good question. I think, you know, what I've noticed, especially since the pandemic, you have Essentially, two schools of thinking, right? People are saying, "No, life is too short, and I'm going to seize the day and find joy and find contentment and find happiness, <laughs> if it whether if it kills me or not, right?" And uh, therefore, people are leaving their jobs, mm-hmm. they're selling their homes, they're traveling, they're doing all these things, and then you have other people who are saying, "Is precious, mm-hmm. and I need to just find a way." To be okay with where I am, right? And, and I think oftentimes that is fueled by fear. Mm. And you know, what, when I look at fear, and I, I have this conversation a lot with clients. Fear is literally the thing that keeps us from fully loving ourselves and fully loving others, right? So ultimately, if fear is the driver, then it's almost impossible to actually find happiness in it.
0: Wow. That is profound. Okay. I think also that happiness is good for one's health. Um, You talk about those hormones. I mean, those that happen
1: when you're happy and everything, I think it's good for your health. 100%. (laughs) We need the, you know, we need the happiness hormones because I mean, if we don't use, like use those hormones to release, like then like, then we're stuck with stress. We're stuck with anxiety. And and our body traps all of that in our muscles and our tissue, and it just wreaks havoc on our bodies. So definitely thinking about like happiness on a hormone level, like we need endorphins, we need serotonin, we need dopamine, we need oxytocin. And those are all things that, um, Those are all chemicals that we can essentially hack on a daily basis with just creating a practice of hacking those in a healthy way, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, taking vitamins, eating healthy food. Uh, There's a lot of research out there that talks about our gut is our second brain because it releases three times the amount of serotonin. And it does that with good gut bacteria. And the only way a person can get good gut bacteria is by eating healthy food right? So eating whole foods, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and grains, lots of fiber, lots of um, really pickled things, right? Like all the probiotics. But, you know, go through fasts, right? Talk about, oh, I feel so much better. I feel clean. I feel happy. Like, And that's because of the serotonin that's being released. Mm -hmm. So absolutely hacking those those hormones, is going to give us a greater sense of euphoria and therefore happiness.
0: You know, a a lot of people talk about, um, you know, let's say somebody's going through chemo or something like that, that their state of being is also important to uh, their health and, and you know responding to the medication well. I I know this is kind of off, but what's your thought process on that? Do you think that that is true? That how you feel about things when you're going through, uh, you know, the chemo and
1: all the other things is important. One hundred percent. I um think back to Viktor Frankl. Uh, he is one of the founding fathers of therapy, and he also was a survivor of the Holocaust. And he lost He lost everybody in his family during the Holocaust. But he did a lot of research on the idea of joy and contentment. And one of the things that he really talked about was um, finding joy is about being able to look over one's life and find meaning and purpose in it. And a lot of that has much to do with like, this isn't about just having good moments. This is about having resilience and Right and being able to find beauty and purpose um, even in little things, and so that that idea of happiness, that idea of having a mindset of this is hard, but I can do hard things, right that mindset makes a huge difference. And a lot of his research speaks to that. And his own personal life really spoke to that. Mm-hmm. Mindset is everything, mm-hmm. right? And it, and on some level, it essentially, it's like whatever is in your mind plants a seed that that begins to manifest in how you feel and therefore how you respond, right? So we start walking in the way we think. We start walking in the way we feel, which is also why, um, you can't believe everything you think, right? Because a lot of our thoughts can be distorted and rooted in fear and rooted in lies. And so, um, yeah, the, the more you challenge yourself to check your thoughts, right? And seek gratitude, seek happy thoughts, essentially, you tend to have better outcomes, especially when it comes to illness. And there's a lot of research that um, is finding that more and more. Mm
0: -hmm. You're absolutely right. More and more we're hearing that. So let me just ask you this. A lot of times people think that worldly goods will make them happy. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they think that if they are rich, I mean, wealthy rich that, you know, that's going to make them happy. Or, you know, they think if they have this prestigious job and everything that that's going to make them happy and you know people have done some studies and they've looked at that and they found that you know after a certain amount of money you don't need 50 million dollars to be happy what's your thought process on that I mean you know you can get about you can you can do well a whole lot
1: less than be happy you know I mean, I have my own personal opinion. I mean, if someone if someone handed me $50 million, I mean, I'm not going to turn it down and I will find a way to be happy with it. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Harvard did a study um, several years back now that actually was like an 80-year study. It was a really long period of time. And they um, studied a group of, I believe they were like first graders um, over their lifespan. And one of the things that they discovered in that study was that the happiest people who lived like well were people who exercised, so they stayed active. Um, they really avoided those like uh, substance abuse, addictive behaviors. Uh, so they avoided drugs, they avoided alcohol. Um, they developed healthy coping skills. Um, they invested in education, they had a sense of purpose and meaning in their lives. So with their careers, with whether it's volunteering, whether it's being involved in church and having activities outside of home. And also the one of the biggest things was maintaining stable long-term friendships and relationships. So having healthy relationships with other people was what helped sustain overall happiness throughout their lives.
0: So having a best friend, as I say, having a girlfriend, you can call and say, girl, let me tell you. You know, having, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that keep you healthy having having all of that, huh?
1: Absolutely. Just having having people in your circle who you can trust, who you can rely on, people you can laugh with, people you can cry with. Mm. People whose shoulder you can cry on. People, you know, I, I think about clients who I see who, th- those who have like the deepest levels of depression are the ones who I also report that they feel isolated from other people. Mm. They feel alone. They don't feel supported. So there is something to having that connection. And and we know, like going back to the idea of chemicals and hacking our chemicals, you know, having a hug from someone triggers that oxytocin. So even just being connected with another person can release a happiness chemical.
0: Do you think that because so many people now, uh, and maybe it's not as much as it used to be, people would move across country for a job and, and then they leave their you know families and stuff like that. Do you think that had, has something to do with people not maintaining as many um, good relationships? As they used to, you know, um, because that study, as you said, showed that the people who had the stable long term relationships, you know what I mean? Those are the ones who did who did extremely well, you know. But do you think that our society where we move a whole lot, you know, everybody's trying to be upwardly mobile, trying to get to the next level and all of that, you know? unless they find some way of
1: continuing those relationships, it's good for you. Rough question. Yeah, it's a re- <laughs> th- this is a really good question because I think there's a lot of factors involved in that, right? Like I think people chasing their idea of what the American dream is often isolates them from the people they love, which when, when you think about the reality of life is long, right? It's short, but it's long. Mm-hmm. And if a person spends most of their time working and building a career and in the process isolating themselves from the people who they value the most, then what does that life look like at the end of, re- you know, when, at, at the time of retirement, right? One of the things I often tell clients, especially those who struggle with working, because we have, we have a work problem in America, right, that is deeply rooted in slavery, right? Mm. But it's this idea of work equals worth, Mm. right? And there's a lot of people who struggle with finding meaning in work, and because they identify their worth as being connected to work instead of with the people who they value in their lives. And so, um, I say all of that to say um, that the reality is, I don't, I mean, There might be cases, but I have to tell clients like nobody on their deathbed says, I wish I had worked more. Mm -hmm. Right. The the greatest regret is often I wish I had more time with my children. I wish I spent more time with my spouse. I wish we had traveled more as a family. So those those social connections are the ones that ultimately matter and give meaning to our lives at the end of our lives throughout the lifespan of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I think social media also plays a big role in this because what research is finding is that as more and more people get involved with social media, more and more people are also reporting that they feel isolated and feel anxious and feel depressed. And because of that, because they're feeling those things, They're seeking social media even more, but it becomes this like perpetual cycle of isolation and loneliness and depression because it's a false sense of connection. It's not really connecting. Mm
0: -hmm. That's important. Like you said, it's a false sense of connection. They think that they're connecting with people, but they really are not. So we need those face-to-face conversations. We need those long conversations on the telephone. Hey, you know, we can do Zoom, you know, conversation, (laughs) you know, but we really need
1: to be More in touch with people, it looks like. We need need connection. It's it's that idea of it's great to FaceTime, but man, isn't it so much better to see that person in person and give them a big hug? Mm. And what does that do Mm -hmm. to release happiness in that moment? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me reintroduce
0: our guest. Our guest today is Mrs. April Oglesby. She is the founder and CEO of Thrive Center for Wholeness. She is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. OK, Mrs. Oglesby, you know, so we know that maybe that big paycheck that people are trying to get, you know, hey, we all need a certain amount for sure. But maybe that big paycheck isn't what we always need. Um, what do you think is? You know, you, you talked about, you know, knowing people uh, and everything. You talked about being healthy, not smoking, not using alcohol, uh, getting a little exercise. And you talked about coping skills. Now, that's a big one. And being able to get good conflict, conflict
1: resolution skills. How does one get those things? I gotta tell you, that is a million dollar question right there. (laughs) Because you know, these are things that are not taught in school. Yeah, right? Like emotional intelligence is not taught Mm. in school. It's something we learn. And, and we're learning from our parents, and our parents are learning from their parents. And so if you if if a person has a broken family system, then you're learning broken strategies, right? And so, um, you know, when we look at Acquiring coping skills, the key really is identifying what feels good. That's typically the first thing. What are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that I do that feel peaceful to me? Um, and then from there, being able to differentiate what is healthy and what is not. Because in reality, a person who struggles with alcohol addiction will say, "Oh, but that glass of wine feels really good." <laughs> yes, but is it just one glass? And, and typically, what's the outcome of that? Where, where is there harm, right? Does it harm yourself? Does it harm others? And so once you identify the things that fill your cup, essentially, you're looking at what are the healthy things within that that fill my cup and um, then tapping more into that and being really intentional. And kind of going back to the Hacking the healthy chemicals in our bodies. Um, I often work with clients explaining that science, right? And helping them get a sense of let's look at building coping strategies that address all four of the chemicals in our body. Because most people have a tendency towards using uh, coping skills to trigger dopamine releases, but dopamine is such a quick fix, it's like a sugar rush and then a crash right? And so, um, but being really intentional with hacking into endorphins and hacking into serotonin by doing things like going outside and being in nature, going for a walk, like those are all healthy coping skills, but they're also releasing vitamin D, which Mm. then is you're getting serotonin and you're getting endorphins and all those things. So um, it really is trying to look at all of the things that you can do that feel good and are good for you. You, you know, you talked about
0: exercise, getting out, getting a little, you know, the sun, you know, your circadian rhythm in your body and people, yes. you know, being and you also talked about gratitude. That's a biggie. And a lot of people. And I think one of the things that this um, COVID pandemic taught us to maybe have a little bit more gratitude about things, what do you think?
1: most definitely. It definitely puts things into perspective, right? To go through a global pandemic and then come out of it and be like, wow, I survived this. My family survived this. There's a lot that we need to be thankful for, right?
0: Well, we are, believe it or not, getting down to the End of our conversation here, and I think it's been you know great that we've had a chance to talk about this subject of happiness and you know what it is and maybe what it really isn't also and you know have people really take the time to sit down and you know and think about this because it seems like everybody really does want to be happy but I'm not sure that everybody wants to do what it takes to be happy you know there's a lot of lip service to it you know like my patients come. Yes. And they say, you know, they want to get get their blood pressure down, but yet they're not willing to leave the salt alone and you know take their medication. Just the simple right. little things that you know we need them to do to get to that. So, and you know, in our last few minutes, I'd like for you to just give us some words of wisdom of what you think we should do to get happiness and, and, you know, get those hits when we need it and, and just, you know, have a better life. Because as I say, with COVID, I think it taught us that we need to have a better lifestyle, a better, just be happier.
1: Yes. So a couple key things, sleep, consistent ah. sleep, seven to nine hours a night and do that consistently. Drinking enough water, staying hydrated, eating healthy food, being really intentional with what we put in our bodies, get moving, even if it's starting with five minutes a day, doing something to move our bodies, stretch, um, go outside, be in nature, get some sunshine. Also take vitamin D supplements. Uh, States like where I live, we only get 90 days of sunshine a year on average. And so uh, therefore taking vitamin D to supplement that Loss is really important. Um, Also, I think for people of color, just because of the way our bodies absorb the sun, whether we live in a sunshine state or not, taking vitamin D I think is really important. Um, Getting involved with something, whether it's volunteering, doing community work, that there's a lot of studies that show that that reduces depressed symptoms. So, volunteering, doing something for other people, donating some things. In other words, serving, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Doing something creative. There's something about tapping into creativity that also brings joy and brings happiness. Um, Spending time with family, spending time with friends is another way. And I think that one of the really important things to think about when it comes to building coping tools in that process is slowing down. A lot of times when we get upset and we're triggered, we speed up. And that's that anxiety, which is rooted in fear, that triggers us to move quickly because we feel attacked. So the idea is to stop and to breathe and to slow down. And almost as a way of reminding yourself in that sort of internal dialogue of, I am loved and I'm worthy of love. So I don't need to be afraid here. And slow down and like encourage yourself in that way um, because there's no fear in love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you're really growing to like heal and learn to find contentment, you have to learn to love yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, being that pep that cheerleader, giving the pep talk to yourself and and I, I would say another really important thing for overall happiness is gratitude and. Part of that is creating a practice of it, and that could be three things every day that you identify that you're grateful for, for the day, and starting there and creating a practice of gratitude. It's really hard to feel down and depressed when we're focused on things we're grateful for.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mrs. Oglesby, you have given us a lot to think about, and as usual, you are fabulous. We have had us our guest today, Mrs. April Oglesby. She is the founder and CEO of Thrive Center for Wellness. She's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You need to clone yourself because there's so many (laughs) that need
1: you. (laughs) I'm trying, I promise. Yeah, we actually opened up a second location just because there's such a need. Yeah, okay, there is such a need. There's really such a need
0: right now, especially. Well, Mrs. Oglesby, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate you and we hope to talk with you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you it's a matter of your health it's brought to you by the african-american public radio consortium npr distribution and the public radio satellite system find it's a matter of your health podcast wherever you get your podcast and make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes blogs and more